You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. I received a piece of work post the GDP number from the Republic of South Africa a couple of days ago that said the following, another recession unlikely for now, but we still need to take our medicine to achieve sustainable growth. The author of this piece is Martin Ackerman, Chief Economist and Advisory Partner at Citadel in Cape Town. Martin, you say the following, the GDP print for the fourth quarter of 2020 has come in better than expected, seeing markets respond positively in terms of RAND strength, very important, and also bond yields, even more important. Year-on-year GDP fell by 4.1% compared to the expected 4.6% decline. But um, I don't want to go into too many more numbers, Martin, but the figure of last year, 2020 GDP, that's the growth of the South African economy, gross domestic product, fell by 7%. People were talking 15 to 20% this time last year. So not a bad result overall. Yes, Lindsay, I think it is better than expected. It's obviously still very, very negative. Um, You know, we haven't seen a number like that since about the 1920s. And if you compare our decline in 2020 versus many other countries, you know, we're really part of the, 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 the worst bunch. And I guess that is because we went into COVID and the pandemic already in recession. So it is a it is a bad number, even if the seven is better than expected. So you're 100% right during the, the middle of the crisis, in the middle of 2020, you know, the numbers were, well, most people expected a, a double-digit decline. So fortunately, as the economy opened up, we could make, uh, recoup some of those losses. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, people are getting excited about the very strong third and fourth quarter, which is great, but in the bigger scheme of things, you know, we're still battling with a very low growth environment and, you know, we'll probably take three, four years before we get back to pre-COVID levels. So it is a long, hard road of recovery ahead of us. Do you think we will get back to pre-COVID levels? Because when I look at some commentary and I talk to people, I think to myself, well, okay, these people have just shed, say it's a company, it's just shed 3,000 jobs. Will those jobs ever come back again? And if jobs don't come back, then how can the economy grow? Because people that are working and paying taxes contribute to the GDP and the growth of, of a country and also a company, of course. So what I'm saying in a long-winded way is, will it ever get back to what it was or do we have to reinvent ourselves? No, I think I think the the recession last year was a, a very synchronized recession. Obviously, most countries at the same time locked down and we all went uh, into recession territory. The recovery is going to be very mixed. And unfortunately, again, I think SA is going to be one of those that, that take a much longer compared to the peer group to get back to pre-COVID levels. I think we'll get there, um, but it will take time. You know, if you look at the US, they still sit with about 10 million people out of a job today. And all of those people won't go back to the same job because COVID caused structural unemployment, meaning that, you know, if you were a pilot, uh, not all pilots will fly again after COVID because there won't be that the same amount, uh, same demand. Mm. Um, so, so there's definitely structural unemployment taking place. That will mean that it takes longer to get people back into jobs. And South Africa will be pretty much the same in terms of where the, the bad industries took a, a knock. And those people will take much longer getting back to, to a job, might be a different job. So I, I still think we'll get there. But, um, you know, in a country like SA, we will also face a lot of structural issues. Many of those were already on the table before COVID. You know, it will take a little bit longer to get there. But eventually, especially if we stay on this road 
or path rather that the current administration chose to try and fix some of the structural issues and get us to a more fiscal sustainable environment. Eventually we'll get there, but you know, I'm talking maybe five years out. So it's not something that's going to be like a V-shaped recovery. It just seems to me that we've been talking about this for years, you and I, because we have spoken on these matters. Gosh, I can't remember this, but it's, <laughs> but it's probably 10, 15 years we've been speaking about this. And Always during our conversations, you say, well, in the future, this might happen and that might happen, but it's going to take a long while. And now suddenly, because of something that was beyond our control, i.e. the global health crisis, the pandemic, uh, we've been set back again. And you're, you're now talking three to four years. When was democracy in South Africa? 1994, 1995? I can't remember. But it was 25, 26 years ago that we threw off the yoke of apartheid and suddenly emerged into a democratic world. But we're still talking about, well, in three to four years, we'll we'll get there. I find it very discouraging, personally, Martin. No, you're 100% right. I think, you know, we unfortunately had the, the last decade where, you know, for various reasons around state capture and and um, what's been happening at that point in time. You know, SA didn't benefit from the previous global recovery. We're a very open economy. So typically when the global economy is doing well or not, you know, that's direct impact uh, what's happening in SA. But after 2008, with the recovery starting um, with all the stimulus back then by Barack Obama, uh, unfortunately, we just started to, to dwindle away. And that was because at that point in time, you know, the reasons now we know quite well, but that's all the state capture things that went on. So we've missed out for those 10 years. And that actually put us into a position, like I said, when we started a much worse position compared to our other peer group emerging markets going into COVID. Because even without COVID, you know, we had this, well, I think it was a recession for the last five years where we couldn't grow faster than the growth in the population. Mm. So COVID, yes, definitely that was the last thing we needed and that really pushed the fiscal situation much closer to the cliff. But having said all of that, we also know that, you know, we had a change again in leadership, um, probably quite a quite a bad time for them because they also had to deal with COVID. But if you look at what's been done so far, and I fully agree, it is slow. Uh, we need more, uh, much quicker kind of uh, reforms to take place. But the, the the actions that's been taken on a daily basis right now and what's been communicated and things like the budget is definitely much more business-friendly and pro-reform compared to three years ago. So I guess, you know, I wouldn't be, uh, if, if, if that hadn't happened and we also had COVID, my semi-positive outlook would have been much more negative. But I do see that at least the intention is there to do the right things from a business economic point of view. And if we can continue, and that's a big if, if we can continue down this path and there's not another uh, political gridlock, then eventually we'll see those numbers. So in SA at the moment, it boils down to one thing, and that's leadership. If we get the right leaders, we will be able to turn the ship. And if for whatever reason the leaders are getting pushed back, then it will be muddled along and uh, even deteriorating further. So, so that's the bottom line in terms of what we're talking about. Personally, I can't see the leaders. I can't see the succession plan. I mean, Mr. Ramaphosa is doing a good job. I've never spoken to – well, I have spoken to him once, but um, I, I haven't spoken to him recently. I just don't think that the succession plan, when it comes to leadership, when it comes to political forces – is there in South Africa. And I, I do believe that the last 25 years, which I 
which I characterise as a generation. I think we've lost a generation. We had every opportunity and we started really, really well, but we're not at the moment. Anyway, let's go back to the GDP numbers. Mining, I don't know why it hasn't performed as well as manufacturing has, but it hasn't uh, because commodity Mm. prices are doing so, so well. I mean, goodness me, with commodity prices doing so well, why aren't we allowing people to invest in our country because we've got so much stuff under the ground? Anyway, manufacturing was up 21.1%, I think it was, in, in the last quarter. So that's bouncing off off a low base. But I still think the future for South Africa uh, is my two things for for what it's worth. Mining and tourism. What do you think? Yeah, I think, um, you know, mining is obviously one of the industries that made this country. And it is a a shrinking industry for various reasons. We'll get back to that now. Mm. But yeah, the low hanging fruit, if you can get the playing field right with the right incentives, is definitely for for more companies locally and abroad to actually invest in mining. And yeah, tourism, I I fully agree. As soon as COVID's uh, behind us. We create uh, 10 permanent jobs for every tourist that arrives. So, so we definitely need to focus on that. Manufacturing, um, it's great that it's up that much. You know, it is also one of the bigger job creating sectors in the economy. Uh, believe it or not, but we've been benefiting from other countries in the world that's trying to diversify out of Asia after what's been happening with COVID. Uh, so we do see more manufacturing goods being exported to countries like Europe, which is great. Um, but uh, mining also benefited from that, but not as much. So, you know, mining industry in SA faces a lot of challenges. We've got the mining charter, which is still not, you know, creating a, a fully playing, uh, equal playing field. Uh, our mines are pretty much, most of them old and quite deep. So the cost of mining is more relative to our, our competitors. Um, and we, we, we were dealing with load shedding. Every time there's load shedding, you know, that put the mining sector... Uh, way back. Um, so so all of those issues is still acting as quite a negative headwind for mining, uh, despite the fact that the global commodity cycle turned. Uh, we did export more commodities, um, but not enough to actually get us on a positive note uh, over the quarter and also over the past year. One of the things that disturbed me in your piece was the following paragraph, which says, or the following sector, it says here, a government addicted to employment, which is still growing. And you highlight the word still. So in other words, despite the fact that we know that government jobs should be culled, uh, these pe- people that shuffle their papers from one desk to another and then go for a long lunch and leave work at four o'clock. And I'm not being nasty because it's good that they've got a job and then they can feed their families. But on the other hand, we shouldn't be growing government jobs, public sector jobs, because there's not much more to administer. Um, if the economy was growing, then fantastic. Yes, employ people and help uh, help everybody at the Department of Home Affairs and everywhere else. But we're not growing. So therefore, why is the government public sector job count going up, Martin? I don't understand. Yeah, that, you know, um, so yeah, the intent is there to, to do a couple of things to, to freeze the wage bill. Um, and that is still early days, you know, we see how the, the unions will take that. But at least I must say they quite, the Minister of Finance is quite consistent in terms of saying, um, you know, there's no room to maneuver on that front. Um, but also it is to, to reduce the headcount or at least freeze new, new, um, new additions to, to, to the headcount. But you're 100% right. If you look at the year, then it's, you know, we only had two positive sectors for the year. Then one was agriculture, which was an excellent performer, uh, double digit 13%, I think. 
and then yeah, a government that was up almost one percent, and then yeah, some of it is as a result of more employment in the civil civil service. Yeah. So that is a, a conflicting message, if you like, compared to what they say in the budget every time. So we would like to see that at some point in time, you know, yeah, government need to spend on things like education and healthcare and and, and those kind of things. Um, but we want to see that the employment component of that uh, really flat line. Um, and we haven't seen that yet. So I fully agree with you there. Um, it's early days, but uh, for them to deliver on on the promise or the action plan in the budget, uh, that number definitely needs to decline going forward. Yeah, it needs not to increase. It actually needs to decrease. And people have got to take their medicine. And that's one of the fe- features of your piece, take our medicine. You finish with a paragraph that says the following. Some baby steps have taken place, which hopefully will lead us to the big steps towards the kind of growth this country needs in the years to come. I've heard that so many times. And I'm just no criticism of you. Many of the reforms and infrastructure programs that have been addressed at this point will take time to filter into the economy, you say. It doesn't happen overnight or over quarters. No, but it hasn't happened for 25 years, Martin. I just occasionally when I speak to you and other commentators, I think I've got deja vu here. I've I've, I've spoken about this for a couple of decades Mm. But it takes time, you know, if you, just again, back to the last 10 years. So we came off the end of 2008, yeah, believe it or not, the growth around about 5 odd percent. And then, you know, it took 10 years to, to, to reduce that growth to basically nothing. Uh, like while I've, what I said earlier on, while the global economy was still growing at about 35 4%. Mm. So it took 10 years, you know, to, to actually destroy a high growth environment to almost nothing. Um, by redu- by the inefficiencies in all the SOEs and, and, and. Um, and, you know, ESCOM is probably one of the best examples there. And that's my point to say that, you know, yes, if we haven't been doing anything over the last three years, then you could argue that it's game over and we're not going to get anywhere. But take ESCOM as an example, you know, the changes are taking place. Uh, for the first time ever, we are talking about private electricity generation, uh, you know, give you an example, the Ford manufacturing plant in Rosslyn in Pretoria, they now moved the whole Brazilian plant to Pretoria. They've closed that plant. The, the, the plant in Pretoria is now the biggest one in the world, and they will be off the electricity grid by 2024. Mm. So, so just the fact that they can now do that, it will happen. Private sector, mining sector, they will start doing that more and more. But that's my point to say that you're not going to see that in the next quarterly number. That will take, you know, it took 10 years to get ESCOM from a world-class institution to almost nothing. And now by making the right policy changes, allowing municipalities and private um, private companies to generate and put back into the grid, you know, five years from now, we won't even talk about an electricity problem in SA, but it is a long-term kind of healing process. Um, and I know that you said you've heard, heard this before, but at least the changes that I'm seeing now, we haven't seen that before. So I think that is uh, the, the, what's different this time around. And uh, again, if we can stick to this kind of reform and, and push it forward, then I do think the next five years can look very different compared to the last five years. You've convinced me. I'm suddenly optimistic. Martin, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> Martin Ackerman is Chief Economist and Advisory Partner at Citadel in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position 
or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.